Good morning. This may come to no surprise to some of you, but I am a planner. Yes. I have plans. We have trips scheduled for next year. I have vacation weeks blocked off. Most of those I look forward to. Many of those are staples each year, and I'm planning on going. As a matter of fact, I'd guess many of you have plans that you're also looking forward to, and it could be next week for Christmas. It could be the first few months of the new year. It could be summer or fall of, the, of that year. I don't know what it is, but I'm guessing whatever it is, you're excited, right? Wherever you're going, whatever you're doing, you're excited about it. You're looking forward to it. I am too, but I'm older now. As a matter of fact, I'm as old as I've ever been. Okay, you guys got that. You're as old as you've ever been as well. So, uh, But when you're in your 20s, honestly, you don't think about what life's going to look like in your late 40s. Not in the sense of like everyday life, right? You like That's a future me problem. That's when I'm older. And I'm grateful. I'm lucky even that I have my health, and I try not to take that for granted. But as I do get older, I do start to see life a little differently. I begin to understand, even if it's a little bit, how fragile life truly is. But even in my knowing, there are still great assumptions that I often make, and maybe you do too. I mean, I'm living under the assumption that next week I get to enjoy, I'll be alive for our Christmas vacation. I mean, I have a good reason to assume it, right? I I do have good health. I live in a safe community at home. Our church is in a safe community. I'm not planning on anything dangerous next in the, over the next couple of weeks. I'm not going skydiving or anything like that over the next few weeks. But the re- reality is, I'm not really promised tomorrow, even though I plan for tomorrow. And I believe in plans and planning. I think they're important, biblical even. But I'm not sure we should be living all of our days for our tomorrows either. But it's hard. It's hard to kind of snap out of that. It's difficult to be fully present in the moment of our day when so many of them are so similar to our yesterdays, right? I mean, Monday through Friday, we all have our own routines. Maybe, you know, you get up in the morning, maybe you get a workout in, you jump in the shower, you do some morning reading maybe, you get your kids off to school, you go to work, you come home, you eat dinner, you take the kids to all of their many activities, right? You come home, you go to bed, and repeat. Now, not everybody has kids, I understand that, but you have a rhythm to your day, a rhythm to your week. They seem familiar, similar even. We can easily fall into that trap of the mundane of our days and our weeks, and we can try to fight it. And I'm right there with you. Recently, I heard a teaching. It's a challenge, really, that I've been kind of thinking about, wrestling with. So I want to share with you what's been swirling around in this mind of mine, So if you join me on this journey, my hope is to really break up the mundane of our life, of our weeks, to help us not live life for tomorrow, but help us to be present and live life for our today. And maybe some of you guys are like, Andy, I've actually, I do this, I think, pretty well. And that's great. And if you do, honestly, I'm jealous. And maybe today for you is a refresher. Maybe you'll pick up a few new nuggets that you kind of add to continue to live in the present moment. But wherever you are in the process, I hope today not only impacts our tomorrow, but it actually impacts our day today. But before we jump in, let's invite God into our moment, into our day. Will you pray with me? God, just thanks. Thanks for the day that was never promised. God, help us just to see it for what it is. But in that, God, would you just come by the power of your Holy Spirit and remind us of your love for us, that you see us and that you know us. 
and that you have a day for us and that we can walk in it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning. My name is Andy. I am one of the pastors here. If this is your first time joining us online or in person, we're glad you're here. We are in our series, Coming Home, our Christmas series, and today we're headed to Psalm chapter 90 in your Bibles. If you want to uh, flip to your, your Bibles there or turn your phone on and head there, and if you don't have a Bible, by all means, grab one in the back. They're absolutely free as our gift to you, and do, we do have one journal back there left. And a quick note on that, we do have new journals that we've designed in order. Can't wait to share those with you for next year with our new reading plan. Well, this particular psalm was written by, by Moses, and it deals with the themes that began in the fall of Adam and Eve. It's possible, a lot of theologians believe, that Moses wrote this psalm after Israel's failure of faith in Kadesh, when the nation was condemned on their journey in the wilderness for 40 years. The tragedy that was followed by the death of Moses' sister Miriam and his brother Aaron. And between those two deaths, Moses disobeys God and strikes the rock, which you read in your earlier in your reading plan in Numbers 20, or you can go back and read it for yourself. Life was not easy for Moses, but he kind of persevered. And in this psalm, he shares his insights into that perseverance so that we may too have that strength for our own life journey. So with that in mind, that context, let's go to this psalm and see what he had to say. He starts by saying, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting. You are God. So for 80 years, Moses lived a somewhat settled life, first in Egypt and then in Midian. And, but after that, he spent 40 years in the wilderness, leading a nation of complaining former slaves who didn't always want or appreciate the leadership that he provided. Numbers 33 in the Old Testament names 42 different places Israel camped during their journey. But no matter where they lived, Moses was always home with God. God was his home. Moses knew how to abide in God. He knew how to find strength and comfort, encouragement to help him through his life's demands in any circumstance. It's a great example for us to make God our home as well. And when we do this, well, our circumstances don't really matter in our lives, right? It doesn't impact us as, as much as it does other people that doesn't have Jesus as their home. When Jesus always lives with us, and as long as that is true, he's going to be continue to be our dwelling place and our true home. We'll have peace in these circumstances. And Moses understands that God is the, the power God. He is the one who created everything. He described God as giving birth in this psalm to, to mountains and forming the world. People in the ancient world, unlike us, mountains symbolized that which was everlasting and dependable. And the Jews, they believed the mountains spoke of the everlasting God of Israel. So when they saw mountains, they saw something, maybe even something different we do, and we just enjoy the beauty of them. There were six generations from Abraham to Moses, and the same God guided and blessed them all. And it's that same God that continues to guide us and bless us as well. Let's head back to see what Moses had to say. He said, you turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by or like a watch in the night. Yet you sweep people away, and the sleep of death. They're like new grass of the morning. In the morning, it springs up new. 
but in the evening it is dry and withered. We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You have set our inequities, inequities before you. you. Our secret sin in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures. Yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow. For they quickly pass and we fly away. If only we knew the power of your anger. Your wrath is as great as the fear that is your due. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Moses, if you remember, grew up uh, educated and learning all the ways of Egypt. But the lessons that he learned walking with God were far more important than anything he learned growing up. And this psalm reminds us that people... Us, we're made of dust, and to dust we shall return. It even says, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. And while we all thank God for modern science and the ministry of skilled personnel and and the healthcare industry, we cannot avoid the reality of death or delay it when our time comes. Our life is a preparation for eternity with God. The older we get, the better we understand how brief and how fast life is, even faster than we can imagine. God is the one who dwells in eternity and is not limited by time. And God can cram many years of experiences, many years of work into one person's lifetime, or he can make centuries fly by, like the passing of days and weeks. Compared with eternity, even a long life is like yesterday when it passes. We are objects suddenly swept away like a flash flood as the psalm said. Talked about that grass, like grass that comes and goes in that part of the psalm. In the east, grass would often grow on very thin soil. It wouldn't have the deep roots that it needed. So a field might look lush and green in the morning, as the psalm described, but as the heat of the sun comes up, it would be dry and withered by nightfall because of that thin soil and the hot sun. In verses 7 through 11, Moses reflected on Israel's sad experience at Kadesh when the the nations refused to obey God and enter the promised land. That decision, that one decision, led to four decades of trials and testing in the wilderness while the older generation died off, except, of course, for Joshua and Caleb. The 22-year-olds would be close to 60 when the nation would finally return to Kadesh. We don't like to think about the wrath of God, but every obituary that you read in the newspaper is a reminder that the wages of sin is still death. We finish our years like a sigh or a moan, as verse 9 says, and yet we marvel at how fast life truly goes. Now, we have a lot of cliches about how life goes, right? How fast this is. Many of these you know, but here's one. If you're a parent, you might know this one. Well, the days are long but the years are fast, right? You've heard that one. How about this one? The older you get, the faster time goes. Or life is like a race, and the clock is your toughest competitor. Here's another one. Before you know it, the chapters of life become a book of memories. I've not only said some of these things, I've used some of these things in a a, uh, sermon illustration. I like a good statement, as you might know. Maybe my favorite, and the one that fits perfectly with this last verse that we looked at, 
teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of, in, of wisdom is this. The trick isn't to simply number our days, but to make our days count, right? I like that one. That's pretty good. I don't think anybody in here would say, I'm against that. You know what? I don't want my life to count, right? We all want our life to count. We want, all want to make an impact. We all want to look back and go, man, my life meant something. It counted for something, right? Here's another illustration that I've seen over the years, and maybe you have too. So I was born, this will tell you how old I am, for those you want to try to figure out math real quick, July 30th, 1975. Woo, I heard that. Yeah. I'm going to take that as a good woo. Like, man, he's a lot younger than I thought he was. Now, I don't know when I'm going to die, right? I don't, I don't know the death date right? I don't know when that is. God does, but I don't. I pray it's, no, it's not anytime soon. I'm not ready to go, but if God's ready for me, then I'm ready, right? So I don't know when that, that final day is. But there's that dash, right? And there's a statement about the dash. Anyone know what it is? It's something like this. It's not the date of our birth that matters. It's not the date of our death that matters. What matters is the dash, right? That's the most important part of the life that we live. It's the dash. It's the life we live in between our birth and in between our death, in the dash. I've come to believe that the dash isn't just a symbol between two dates. It's not just the line. It isn't just some symbolic representation of the life that we live. The dash truly is the number of days that we live. As a matter of fact, I believe if we were like to zoom in as close as you could and enhance that image and keep zooming in and zooming in, you wouldn't even see a single solid line. If we were to continue to zoom in, what you would actually see are the days that are numbered. It would be the first day that I lived, the second day that I lived, the third day, fourth, fifth, sixth, and on and on and on. That's what we'd see. It wouldn't even be a solid line. It would just be a series of numbers of all the days that we lived. And for me, that would mean today is day 17,672. That's a big number, right? 17,672 days. That means I've had 17,671 full days to make a difference for God. 17,671 opportunities to make an impact. I've had 17,671 days to love well. 17,671 opportunities to pursue God, to trust God, to risk for God. 17,671 full days just to enjoy what the Lord has made. 17,671 full days, if you count today, 72 days, just to be grateful for another day. Another day to love God and love those that he's put in my life. Right? So today's... 17,672 for me. 
What is it for you? And if I'm honest, if, if, I, could, if I could look at that line and, and see the days, and all of a sudden the days are, start to be highlighted, the ones that I wasted, I'd hate to know the number of those days. I'd hate to actually see how many of those days I've wasted that I missed the point of the day. Days that I just took for granted. Of course I got another day. I went to sleep, of course I wake up. How many of those days, I wonder, that I missed what God truly had for me that day? How many days did I choose not to be obedient when I felt very clearly God asked me to do something? I wouldn't want to know the number of days that I couldn't wait just to get over. Right? I cannot wait to go to bed tonight. I'm like, how many times have you said something like that? How many of those days that I dreaded to live? And if we're all honest, I'm betting there are a few days in our number of days that we'd like to forget. We wish that never happened at all, that we didn't even live. Days where we were hurt, days where we've lost loved ones, maybe even days that we'd look at and go, I'd like to do that day all over again. If I could just have that day back. But that's, that's the journey of life, right? It's full of ups and it's full of downs. It's full of happiness. It's full of sorrow. But when we make Jesus our home, as Moses talked about, when we truly reside in Jesus, I believe we begin to see our days filled with his love, with his joy, with his mercy, with his, with his grace. It begins to change how we see the days of our past and the days of our future. And maybe more importantly, the day we're living right now. Psalm 118, 24 says, This is the day the Lord has made. Let us be glad and rejoice in it. But even in knowing that, right, we have the knowledge of it, it doesn't often lead us all to the doing piece. And again, I'm right there with you. So let's do a little exercise. What if we knew we had 90 years to live? You're born, everybody lives 90 years, everybody knows it. Our days are numbered to 90 years. What would that change for you? How would you live life differently? You knew you had 90 years. What would it cause you to stop or start doing? Would you take better care of your body? Would you travel travel less or would you travel more? How would you live for God differently? If you knew 90 years, that was it, not a day longer. How would knowing 90 years to live impacts, how would that impact your life that you live right now, today? Now, if you're younger, maybe you don't change a whole lot. I mean, if you're 25, maybe you think, I still have 65 more years. I don't need to do a whole lot different. I'll wait till I get older, right? Like, that's easy to get into that mindset. I'm 48. That means I only have 42 of those years left. My life would be more than half over, right? I I think about that a little differently. Maybe it's unfair. Maybe 90 years is too far. Maybe we really can't even objectively think about what we would do differently, how that would change our lives, how that would impact us. What about this? What if you had 90 days to live? Every one of us, in 90 days, that was it. God's calling us home. 90 days is the last day in that dash that's going to be recorded. That would mean March 16th, 2024 was it. You wouldn't get another Easter. You'd only have one more Christmas. 
This would be it, the one coming up. One more New Year's to celebrate. One more January to live. One more February. And just half of March. Now what does that change for you? How would you live that life differently then, knowing March 16th, 2024 was the last day in the dash? How would that impact your life? I'm guessing that one hits a little differently, right? 90 days isn't a long time. 90 days to live likely changes a few things on that priority list that we have. 90 days in our dash probably makes us reconsider several things in our life, maybe even who we spend our time with. What we do, how we pursue God might be different if we only had 90 days. Knowing we have 90 days to live makes us think about not just the number of our days, but I think it does begin to help us think, how do we make those days count? Let's go a little further. What if you had 90 minutes? 90 minutes, that was it. How would you think you would view life differently? What would you think about each moment, even this one? What would become the most important thing to you if you had 90 minutes? What would you be most concerned with? How important would what other people thought about you be if you had 90 minutes? How important would that social media argument you're in be? How much time would you truly spend trying to prove a point to people you don't know or likely don't even like if you had 90 minutes? What about that perfect photo, right? That social media post, the outfit, the shoes, the game system, the house, the car, or whatever it is that we're all pursuing. And again, I'm here with you. How important would that be if you had 90 minutes left? How important would your relationship with Jesus be? had 90 minutes. 90 minutes is shorter than most movies. 90 minutes, you'd only get to watch half of a football game. 90 minutes isn't long. If we had 90 minutes to live, I'm guessing all of us, me included, we would live them quite differently. And the point of this exercise isn't to scare us or shame us or to make us feel guilty of the past days that we've lived, the point of this exercise is to attempt to get us to see not only how quickly life passes, but how precious life truly is. So now it's, now it's t- the time to ask God for wisdom, to become better students and stewards of the time and opportunities he gives us. Because in the end, we number our years, right? When they were born, when they die. Not our days. That's what's going to be on the tombstone, right? But all of us have to live that life one day at a time. And we don't know how many we have left. A successful life is composed of successful days that honor God. And we don't know, again, how many of those are going to be left. Neither did Moses, which is why he ends the psalm with this request. He says, relent, Lord. How long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, that we may sing for joy and be glad all of our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen trouble. 
May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. May the favor of the Lord our God rest on us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. The emphasis of this psalm is not on death. It is on life. The past and present experiences of life prepares us for the future. And all of life prepares us for eternity with God. This closing prayer of Moses emphasizes God's compassion and unfailing love. It reveals his desire to be with us and to give us joy and satisfaction, even in the midst of all of our life's troubles. When Jesus is our Lord and our Savior, the future then is our friend, not our foe. That gives us the reason to have hope. That gives us the reason to, to want to make today matter. That gives us reason enough to, make, uh, to ask God for help in each and every one of our days. Not, again, just to number our days, but to make that day, today, count. I think when we start to have that shift even a little bit, we begin to worry about more about today. Like, how can, how can God make an impact in my life? How can God use me to impact others? When we do that, dare I say, the dash in our life will matter. Because when you stop and you take even a further step back, each and every day is like a mini life. Each day is like a mini life. Each day begins with a new birth when we wake up in the morning. We wake up to a new day that was never promised to us. A day that we've never lived before. Nobody's lived this one. Each day comes with a peak, right? It's the part of the day we're at our best. Each day comes with a decline as we tire from the day that we lived. Our energy wanes. We need to seek rest for what's to come. So each day ends with the death of the day when we go back to our beds to sleep. And as we sleep, we pray that we wake for the next day in our dash that was never promised. Another day that the Lord gave us. Another day to pursue the Creator. Another day to be grateful for. Another day to live in the dash, to love God and to love others. Another day to make Jesus our true home. Another day where God lives in us and God lives through us. I heard this the other day, uh, one of these little videos I was watching, so I was preparing for this, and they, this person was inter- interviewing this young couple. They were talking about money and how money would impact their life and change their life. And it's like, if I gave you a million dollars, how would that impact your life? And they're like, oh man, that's a game changer, right? If I could give everybody a million dollars, a high percentage of like changes everything about how I can live my life and what I can do. It's like, okay. He goes, what if I gave you 10 million? And they were like, wow, I, so many things I could do with $10 million. He goes, but here's the caveat. You don't wake up tomorrow. Would you take the 10 million? And I said, absolutely not. He's like, isn't that interesting? You're saying tomorrow's worth $10 million. And that, that young couple was like, I have never thought about it that way. And I think we'd all say the same. I wouldn't take $10 million if I don't get tomorrow. So today you're living in a $10 million day. Right? Imagine if we lived each day for the day that God gave us. I believe if we did that, the number of our days we had left wouldn't matter nearly as much. 
because we'd all be rejoicing, living it fully in what God had for us. We'd love our family differently if it was the last day we had with them. We'd be stepping out in faith and boldness. We'd be walking in obedience for what God has for us. Because this challenge isn't about the days that we've, had, that we've already lived. My past 17,671 days can't change how I live today. The past can define us or it can refine us. And it isn't about what we've wasted. It's about what we're going to do with the one we have now. How are we going to engage the present? The past, yesterday can't impact today, but today can impact tomorrow. Right? And this isn't even about so much about doing. It's easy to hear a message like this, like, oh, i got to go do some stuff. It's about recognizing that we want our dash to matter, right? We want our present, our today to matter. And if we can do that, we do that by pursuing Jesus with our present moment. We give him the moments that we have. We look for what he's already doing, and we try to step into those. And if we did that, imagine how the next 17,000 days would look. Imagine how much differently the next few days and weeks will look as we engage family and friends in the holiday season because God wants to joyfully bless us. He's not a stingy God. And we pursue and like, God, truly here is my life. That's submission. Watch what he begins to do you, the joy that you begin to have, the happiness that you get to You don't worry about all those things we talked about earlier, like somebody said something on social media about me. Okay, <laughs> I don't care. They don't know me, right? Oh, I don't believe what they just said. Okay, right? We could pray for them, right? It's not our job to be the judge and the police of all of those things. I get excited when I think about, like, I don't have to worry about my past days. I can just live in this one. I've gotten better over the years, and some of the trips I've gone on or go on these golf trips, and I often say, let's just stop, like, we don't get this day back, right? Let's, let's just enjoy it for what it is. I don't do it all the time. I beat myself up when I don't. But, man, how exciting is to leave here this morning and go, God's got something for us today. He didn't want to waste one of our days, right? And that could just be time with him, pursuing him, so that we better know our Father, and then he can continue to do work in us and through us. That's the whole purpose of why we do church, is for you to develop a deep abiding love in Jesus Christ. That's my hope. That's what I want for me. That's what I want for my kids. That's what I want for all of you. And we do that one moment at a time, one day at a time. Grab your connect cards that Jana spoke about. I'm going to offer you some next steps. We believe God has a next step for you this morning. And by filling this Connect card out, we believe you're saying, I believe you have a next step for me today, God. So I'm going to offer you a few next steps. You may have your own. Simply write that on there. Drop it in the offering when it goes by in just a few minutes. The first one maybe is accept Jesus for the first time. Maybe today's the day of all the days you've lived, you make the most important decision of your life, which is to lay down your life and say, I'm tired of being the author director, provider of my own life. And I want you, God, to start to direct my paths. 
I want to be, I want to rejoice and be glad in the day that you've given me that was never promised. And so we repent was what the Bible calls, which means simply turning away from sin or our own life, our own direction, accepting what God has for us. That he came, he, he died on a cross for us. So if you made that decision, note that on your connect card, drop it in the offering when it goes by in just a few minutes. And we'll follow up with you. The next is our memory verse. To, to write the word on our heart, get into the word till the word gets into us, and it's out of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down. I love that. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He knows when we need rest. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Love this psalm. I said this last week, but this is a great psalm to sit in and and do some research in. It's so deep of how God's mercy and his grace, his love, his compassion is packed in these four verses. Here's the application from everything we've talked about. Ask God how he would have you live today. Ask God how he would have you live today in his kingdom for his glory. God, what do you have for me today? God, help me to see the people that you want me to see. God, help me to love the people you want me to love. God, when I'm when I'm frustrated, when things aren't going my way, God, would you come by your spirit and guide those thoughts? Would you redirect my path? God, when I'm doing too much, would you slow me down? Right? Those are the prayers. That's how we ask for God's guidance. God, as we head into the holiday season, you wake up on Christmas morning, whenever it is you're getting together with family and friends, God, help me in those moments to glorify you. It doesn't mean we get it right. And it isn't even about being 100% right. It's about pursuing our Father, accepting his guidance, receiving his mercy and his grace and his forgiveness. And maybe today is the day you, you forgive yourself for the past didn't do, what you did do, what you should have done, what you could have done. You can't change it. Let it go. Watch what God does as he continues to pursue you. The joy that you will receive. The happiness that's the outflow of the joy. Another way, of course, is to receive prayer. I think this is a tremendous way to ask for God's guidance, not just in your own prayers, but to have other people praying with you or for you. We can do that lots of ways. You can do that on your Connect card. You can do that on the prayer wall in the back. You can email us at prayer at blueashcc.com. But of course, you can have real live people pray for you. We'll have prayer teams in the front and the back. And this doesn't have to be complicated. You don't even have to come up and say what you want prayer for. You say, I feel like I need to receive prayer. And they'll pray prayer blessing on you, that that God would continue to guide your ways, that you would see him for who he truly is. And if you have something specific, great. I'd be honored to pray for that. Maybe you have a praise. God's shown up in your lives. We want more of that. So we say more, Lord. Come 
up and share that. We're going to be receiving our offering in just a, a few minutes, but if many of you guys uh, have asked, like, hey, what if we want to do an end-of-the-year offering? You can do that lots of ways. You can obviously continue to write those checks uh, like you normally would, like we do. You can go through your bank, but there is stocks and bonds as well. If that's something you guys are interested in, there is an opportunity that you can give that way too. And if you have any questions about that, you can write it on your Connect card or, of course, reach out to me. We're going to go ahead and receive our offering. If you want to drop your offering and your Connect card in those buckets as they go by, we would appreciate it. And if you want to grab your communion elements that you would have received when you walked in, and if you didn't, by all means, grab one there in the back. But as we close out our Sundays, we'll be here Saturday, of course. Let's not take this for granted. This is easy to to add to those days of mundane or granted because we do this all the time. It's similar, familiar even. But when we really pause and think about the gravity of what Jesus did for us as we celebrate his birth in in, uh, just over a week, a little baby in a manger ends up dying on a cross as an adult as the, the son of God willingly walking knowing his days were numbered, knowing when his last day on earth was going to be, knowing the suffering that he was going to endure those last numbered days, and still did it. Walked it out. Not my will, he said, but your will be done. That's an example of being close to the Father, knowing what the Father's asking in that day. Now, none of us want to suffer. But I think it's always important to just pause and go, wow, Jesus, you willingly had your body broken and your blood shed for us. You're the final atoning sacrifice so that we can live a full life, an abundant life, a joy-filled life. Now, you're, you're the Father that gives, that blesses. So God, help us to receive all that you want for us, all that you have for us. God, thanks. Thanks for the days that we have. Thanks for today. No matter what our day is numbered, God, help us to be grateful. Help us to see you for who you are, the good Father that wants to give good gifts to his children. And today, we don't don't have to have shame. We don't have to have guilt. We get to have expectation because of who you are, what you've done, and what you want to do in us how you want to love us, how you want to provide for us, how you want to guide for us. So God, help us to let us be glad and rejoice. God, thanks for loving us the way you do. In Jesus' name, amen. You're free to sit or stand and receive prayer.